for one of the most beautiful and playable custom acoustics on the planet, look no further than Ed Rice at Toeir Guitars. Ed is a true artist, transforming exotic woods into magnificent, sweet-sounding instruments. Go to toeirguitars.us, that's T-O-I-R-G-U-I-T-A-R-S.us, and contact Ed today. Hey everybody, Brad and I want to say thank you for listening and thank you for the support. Please continue to listen and share this podcast on all platforms that you can. And if you'd like to support us monthly, we're set up now where you can go to anchor.fm slash Top Hill Recording. Hit the support button, 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99 per month. Any amount would be greatly appreciated. Now back to the podcast. Top Hill Recording Podcast, episode 64. What's up, Neil? What's up, man? Oh, man. Good to be back. No doubt. Been in North Dakota for three weeks. When we got to North Dakota, the first day, it was 70, I think 72 degrees and sunny. And then the next morning, it was 18. (laughs) 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 Oh, that's a big big swing there. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. That sounds terrible. And then we had cold weather for like two weeks and it got back up in the 60s. But it was nice to get home to the lush green colors of Kentucky. Oh, man. It's good to have you back. For thanks, sure. Thanks, brother. Yes, sir. So we're having David Nicholson Reserve tonight, 100 proof. Oh, it's always the, it's a, it's a great go-to. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good cap to, good. to this season. There you go. <laughs> so for our final episode of season four, which is hard to believe. I mean, I know we have short seasons. We do, we do 16 episodes per season, but still that got, kind of got started uh, with COVID cutting us <laughs> off at 16. This is the end of season four, episode 64, and we have Zeb Tuck with us tonight. What's up, Zeb? What's happening? Good to have you in the studio, man. Yeah. We haven't had a guest in here for, how long has it been? Uh, has it been since uh, School of Rock? Oh, my gosh. Has, has it been it? since School of Rock? I don't no. know. That seems like centuries ago. No, because I don't know. We have done one shots, though, but man, yeah. here's the vaccination. Here's to vaccination. Cheers. Cheers, cheers, Zeb. Cheers, Zeb. for coming in, Absolutely. man. Absolutely. So what do you have there, Zeb? Uh, a little bit of, yeah, I know you guys are bourbon drinkers, and uh, it has a time and place, but uh, <laughs> I am a tequila man. Silver tequila is just, you know, run-of-the-mill um, corazon, I suppose. Uh, nothing too special. Normally, I drink 1800. That's it, you know? Pretty particular. Yeah. But, yeah. Tequila. So, cheers. Cheers. Cheers, man. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned something, dude. Vaxed. We're vaxed. We were, we're fully vaxxed now. Yep. So getting people in the studio is going to be awesome again. Yeah. I hope we can do it. You know? Yeah. Everybody local, we'll try to get them in and we'll try to do some one shots. We've got some one shots scheduled with Zeb tonight. Man, it's just been so wild to, to, you have to like retrain your mind that you can be close to people in the closed space. It's weird. <laughs> it's really weird for me because masks aren't a thing in North Dakota. <laughs> at least not in Carson, North Dakota, where we were. There were no, there were no masks. 
Nowhere. Like mandate wise, there's no mask. No or? mandate, and you just didn't see them. I mean, you went in and you just did your thing. It was like, uh, you know, it was like being 18 months ago. Nothing. Yeah. Interesting. You would, do you think you would get a sideways look if you wore a mask? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> or is that why you stopped? Did you stop wearing it? Uh, oh, I didn't wear it anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, when in Rome. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Plus, I felt, you know, I felt safe. We got our sec- second vaccination shot up there. And my wife and I were in there for in the pharmacy where we got the shot for probably a total of 50 minutes. And we're the only people coming in to get to get vaccinated. Are you serious? Yep. And, uh, and the lady that gave us the shot said she hadn't given any shots all day. And that was like 2.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> wow. Interesting. That's, maybe that's naive of me, but there's super rule out there, much more rule. So yeah. maybe oh, yeah. it's just Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Well, They're already socially distanced. Yeah. <laughs> it's not true. it's not nearly as crowded. I mean, uh and we were in a little railroad town called Carson that's population's like two fifty. But I think the population of the whole state of North Dakota is about half of the city of Louisville. Think, That's crazy. I think the whole state's like 650,000. I may not be right on that, but it's something close to that. That's insane. That, <laughs> that is insane. <laughs> Sounds like my kind of place. Lot, yeah. <laughs> lots of open space and, you know, a 10,000-acre ranch in North Dakota is probably small. I yeah. mean, you just see these ranches that just go on for as long as you drive. That's nice. Pretty cool. But yeah. nice to be home, too. Always good to be home. All right, Zip. So why don't you start us off? Take us back to your earliest memories of music and when you realized music was going to be a big part of your life. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Very first memory. And who remembers when they're three? I mean, that's (laughs) random, right? Not me. Uh, Right. So, but truth be told, yeah, uh, sitting in my stroller, listening to the uh, symphony at a little place in Carolina, North Carolina called, uh, let's see, Les Myers Park. So my parents would take me there and listen to the symphony, just chill out on the lawn. I do. Re- so that's my first memory. And then, you know, there's always music in the house. Um, all of my siblings play. I've got five brothers and a sister. So oh, wow. okay. Pops plays guitar. That's pretty much where I cut my teeth, you know, as far as that goes. Saw him doing it, playing and singing. And uh, interestingly enough, my older brother was, you know, taking lessons, so to speak, from, from Pops and... Uh, they never wanted me to touch the guitar, never. And uh, eventually, I just picked it up and and ran with it. And they said, "Well, okay, so he's he's clearly got it. So let's let him let him do it too." I already know why. They needed a bass player. <laughs> <laughs> that would make sense. This kid's gonna be a bass player. The band, the band family band, needs a bassist. Got to round it out. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's how it. Yeah. Young age, I've always been inclined to music. It. Uh, it's me, uh, you know, you get the chill. A lot of, I don't know if you guys do it, but I get chills when I listen to certain music and oh, it just yeah. moves me big time. So I just try to convey that pa- that uh, passion into whatever I'm playing and singing. So. so I'm assuming because it always seems like, and I think I've said this before, probably several times before, when a parent or parents play music, it gives you that. It gives you an instant ear training as a kid, man. So, uh, do you, did you not only gravitate it, but pick it up really quick? Well, yeah, and I'm, you know, then maybe this sounds a little arrogant, but yeah, my older brother, he seemed like he was struggling with it, getting the chords down. He actually had a book and you know trying to do it right, and mm-hmm. I picked it up and I started playing immediately. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Where'd you learn that?" I don't know. 
<laughs> I don't know. But yeah, hearing Pops sing, you know, my dad would sing and play, and it was just something that drew me in. I always just say, yeah, I got to do that. I got to do that. And uh, yeah. So, so what, what did you hear around the house? What type of music? Oh, my goodness. Let's see. My uh, oldest brother, he played trumpet. Uh, my sister played clarinet, um, trombone. I was percussion initially, and as far as band, but piano. My uh, grandparents played play piano uh, as well as... Yeah, so it was kind of all over. And then, uh, you know, in the church, obviously, we all sung. So, you know, singing, it's, you know, that's how it went. And were, were you born in North Carolina? Yeah, right above Charlotte, a little place called Concord. Concord. Right where the Speedway is. Okay, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. So what brought you to Kentucky? Oh, my God. I hope and a prayer. <laughs> um, uh, my brother, one of my brothers, Sam, he's, I'm really close with him, always have been. And uh, he moved out here, met his wife, and just wanted me to come out and enjoy it like he was. So I, you know, picked pick my, you know, pick my stuff up, came out here. I guess it was 2007, 2008, somewhere around there. And just uh, dug in immediately. You know, I really loved it here. There's so much to do. Just, I love the parks, you know. Mm -hmm. Being out here is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, yeah, brother was out here. We, uh, I got on my feet and met my my uh, my wife. And, uh, yeah, I guess the rest is history. I kind of got into the music scene initially, meeting some folks. And I had a lot of fun. It um, was a bit overwhelming. I never expected to have so many people actually think i was worth a damn <laughs> but uh it, you know it's a bit overwhelming i think I, I had to try to take a step back and figure out what really was going on i couldn't even comprehend it i was like okay wait a minute yeah stuck around louisville since um i love it i how, love it here so how old were you when you uh moved here i think 20 so when you were um in Concord, or did you stick around Concord, or did you like travel to Charlotte to play or do anything like that? Uh, here and there, yeah. here and there. Not, I didn't really play out too too much. There was this little bar in Concord, main uh, right on Union Street, and it was called uh, George Washington Tavern, I believe it was. I'd go in there, oh, you know, open mic, sing, and then they they liked it, so I'd come back in about every week and sing some songs, and uh, had a lot of fun doing that, but you know, not, not a lot of experience outside of that. Now, I do remember being in in high school, and uh, we had just a few of buddies that were also in bands. Structured this little, you know, bill or however you'd want to explain it. You know, a couple bands and uh, in a uh, massive auditorium. It was a really great experience. Obviously, it wasn't full by any means, um, but a lot of people. I don't know. It's just something about being on stage right right there and. Maybe that was sort of reassurance that, okay, maybe maybe I got something here. Maybe they like what I'm doing. Um, so that's probably, as, as far as Carolina experiences, that's now, you know, moved out here, started to get into it, played around a little bit. You, you know, usually it was house parties, nothing like, you know, out on the scene. I'm kind of a recluse, but uh, <laughs> we'll get there. You know, I, I like playing out. It's just a, you know, a timing thing for me, I suppose. But um Played some shows like that in Carolina. Always had a good time. Came out here, met a lot of folks into music. And wow, this town is a huge music town. It's, it's, it, it really is. Yeah, you know, you got a lot of musicians that want to run off to Nashville and mm -hmm. do, you know, which, hey, justifiably, awesome place as well. But I think Louisville could really rival um, Nashville. Maybe that's a bit bit much to, to say, but if we all came together, I think we could do big things around here. Well, of course. I think that uh, one one of the things that we've learned about it, uh, the Louisville music scene in particular, is how underground popular it's been 
mm-hmm. for years, number one. I mean, I think that, you know, you can listen to uh, Brett Ralph give you an education on the history of yeah. little music. Especially thing. punk rock. Especially punk rock. But man, I mean, you just, and hearing stories from from people that have played in it for, you know, 50, 60 years and have been a part of it, you just really get a grasp of, of what it's what it's about and what it's been about and, and possibly where it could go and where it is. But uh, I got a question going back to, you know, you, you mentioned being... A, a child um, and, and hearing the orchestral music. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned your your siblings who all played orchestral instruments. Um, are you the youngest? So, uh, second to youngest. Second. Mm-hmm. So was, was the interest in that scene, was it, how did that play out? Was it like parents just wanted to go away, get, get kids to a free concert. So, you know, to give them something to listen to, or was it driven by your, siblings that were into that type of music that were or was it you know based on your father and and, and their love well, for music uh, you know well dad was always more into old school uh singer songwriter stuff yeah. like yeah but uh, you know mom really appreciated the uh the symphony and that sort of thing i think it's just a natural inclination for for all of us you know they they picked up instruments and ran with them and band was just something we did yeah. you know as far as, as far as school, we just everybody would choose an instrument, and and that's what they did. So I don't know if that answers your question, well, but you know, I always I don't know. It's uh, from from a young age. I remember listening to Beethoven and um, things of that, you know, and it just moved me in a way. But obviously, I don't. I wasn't that great as far as uh, like you say, or orchestral music. Um, you know, the guitar had my name on it for yeah, sure. Yeah, I just don't. You know, especially being young, I don't know many people that have a memory of orchestral music. And as I a don't child. know, I don't think that's come up. No, I yeah. don't think we. You know, a lot of so that's why it's kind of it's particular. Um, and I think the tie with with all your siblings playing that type of music. I mean, if that was something that was part of growing up in Concord. I mean, I think that that may be a part of it. Did they stick with those, your siblings? Did no. any of them stick with anything? No. It was no. just, hey, uh, they gravitated towards that during school. And right, exactly. Was... It's kind of the formal uh, education of it. And they, they were all very good. One of my brothers went on to do marching band. and you well, know, Did, did your stuff. older brother ever learn to play the guitar? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. He did. All right. He did. And, and he was pre- he's pretty good. Yeah. You know, he, he just he, has he, to try he, harder. Right. Well, yeah. I don't even want to put it like that. He was, I don't think he delegated the time to really, yeah. me, it was just something I was so passionate. I think he's more of like a businessman and want to, yeah. that sort of thing. Me, I was just like, go go do all that. I got my guitar. I don't need you guys, you know. <laughs> is that Sam? Is Sam your oldest uh, brother? N- well, no, uh, his name is David. Okay. Yeah, and he lives in New Hampshire. I lived in New Hampshire for a little while, but uh, yeah, he lives up there. We're kind of just strolling out throughout the eastern East Coast <laughs> states here. Okay, so cool. Right yeah. on. So you said, you know, as I listened to you talk, you said that you there was something you loved about being on stage and seeing people enjoy your music, and then a couple of sentences later, you said you're a, you're a recluse and and you yeah. know playing out live is not really the, the the thing you do a whole lot. So bit contradictory, right? Yeah, um, yeah. you know, it, like I said, it just depends on the scenario. I like it. Um, I think as far as that, you know, playing on that stage, it was it was a structured time. You know, maybe we had forty five minutes. I had to set down. A lot of places you go out here, they expect hours of cover. Four hours. Yeah, hours of cover music. And not that that's, that's fantastic. It, you know, I like doing that. But 
I think it's I think it's very easy to get burnout. Yeah, um, it is, it and maybe even is. take away the the creative aspect of writing, or you know, you get hung up in learning new covers. People want you know expect a better show next time, or whatever the case may be. It definitely creates a makes it become a job to where when you're playing a set or on a bill. It's just a, it's a different thing, especially because, you know, how much energy can you throw out there for four hours with three sets for, you know, an hour with these little bitty breaks in between to where you can barely... Got to have seven-man band. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> well, that's a good point. You know, a lot of times I'll just go out there and do it on my own. If I had, you know, some of these other musicians I'm working with in the studio with me, I would probably take a little more pressure off and yeah. make, it, make it fun because you can just jam and get off on riffs and... Fill up some time doing that and certainly throw in some originals. But uh, Brad was smart enough to to have a band with like four lead singers so he can go, all oh, right, yeah. I got this one. Who's next? Because I'm going to take a break here and relax, yeah. play some guitar. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, especially if you're doing the harmonies and all that. That's Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was a lot of fun. Except being in his band required uh, perfection. From the beginning <laughs> to the end, or you start from the top. <laughs> start from the top. But we're four minutes into this five minutes. I'll start from the top. <laughs> it's all right. That's how you get good. Yeah. Isn't that kind of thing, a, a thing with musicians? Though, to yeah. Be super self-critical, number one, but also perfectionism. Let's get it right. I think, yeah, exactly. I know I'm like that. I'm That's the kind of practice thing. I need. Yeah. I'm a, I got to practice and get it down. I need to, need, hey, I'm you, not a natural enough player. If you don't get it right in practice, what do you think is going to happen on stage? Magic? <laughs> <laughs> no going back, that's, that's for sure. Nailed, yeah. yeah. So, Zeb, did you tell us how old were you when you started playing the guitar? Oh, I think probably seven. seven okay, so you started six, early <laughs> and, and sound like you, you really enjoyed it. So, you were probably playing a lot. Well, yeah, yes, but no uh, formal. Um, lessons or anything to that effect a lot of it was just feel, you know i'm a feel player you know yeah. mm -hmm. and uh you know i learned some songs i try to get better in, in that aspect uh you know learning other people's music and trying to emulate that and then that okay uh that worked let's let's see if we can write something similar to that but it comes and goes um so i was probably about seven or eight when i first started playing and just having fun with it it was you know all the others like to and I, I like sports and everything, getting out and getting fit, you know, I'd rather play sports and watch them, but, uh, you know, I'm just a musician at heart, so I'd sit around and tinker around and have a good old time with it, so never took it too serious, so that's for sure. So what age did you start writing? I think 14. Okay. Yeah, I wrote my first song when I was 14. I was living in New Hampshire, sitting in a stairwell, and it just came to me, and it's yeah, almost all of the lyrics, everything, the hook, everything, that's, that's interesting. I think that's something. Do you remember that song? Oh, yeah. Did you write it down? Did you record it? Did it's it... all up in the noggin here. No kidding. You, know, you don't write stuff down? Typically, no. Jeez, I wish I had I've got to do a voice memo. If I get a song worked out at 9 p.m., <laughs> I better do a voice memo because it's 7 a.m. I forgot it. <laughs> if I have That's one, helpful. <laughs> if I have one at 9 p.m. in my head, by 9.01, if it's not down, then I better forget it. It has nothing to do with the morning. Neil and I are in a songwriting group. We kind of oh. uh, we kind of started a songwriting group just to kind of give us uh, uh, a time constraint to make us write. Yeah. And, uh, and I think my last few have been voice memos that I did on the phone while I was out of town because I didn't have anything to record <laughs> with. So I, I sent voice memos into the into the songwriting group. Every one of mine have been that. 
<laughs> nice. Well, you know, true beat tone. Yeah, that's such a good handy tool to have. You know, just a voice. I do that. You know, catch a, yeah. catch a riff that I may say. Well, that's that's nice. I don't know if. Not that I necessarily forget, but it's a lot of you got to delegate. You know, there's a lot of RAM up here. You got to free up to, <laughs> to make you, sure. Yeah. How do you do that? How do you free up RAM at this point? That's my problem, man. Can you delete RAM, <laughs> please? I need some extra storage here. <laughs> so uh, stored on the cloud. Be fine. <laughs> there you go. You started writing at 14 years old. How many originals do you think you have in the catalog? Oh, holy smokes! Um, quite a bit. Yeah. Not that it, you know, they've been recorded or I'm pretty self-critical of things. Usually I get bored of stuff I've written and played. Some people like like those songs and sometimes they'll request them or when are you going to record that? When are you I don't know. Usually I get you know, I'm glad you like it. Uh I'll get around to to getting all those down. It's um I don't know, maybe 20, 30 songs, who maybe more. I don't know. Don't really know. I wonder if that's universal. People being critical of your own songs. More than other just, people are. You know what? I wonder if somebody sits around and, and puts their pen down after writing a song and goes, that's the shit. <laughs> and then the next song does it again. It's like, man, everything I write is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> There's, you know, There's somebody out there that way. Drake and DJ Khaled. <laughs> other than those two guys, I don't know, man. That's funny. I swear. I wish. I wish. I may appreciate it initially. I'll go back yeah. a day or so later. Wait, that wasn't it. as good as I, yeah, yeah. wasn't as good as I thought it was. Yeah, man. Yeah, you yeah. always have that really good feeling and feel great about your song right when you finish it and then, <laughs> uh, then you play it a few times you're like I don't know if this is that good or not oh. <laughs> big dog yeah yeah that's why I, here's my theory listen to it one time and then never listen to it again and then it might sound good you know you write something then you play it and then you know like with the songwriting group most of the time the first time I listen to it, it's with you all and then I will not listen to it again. And then, hey, whatever it is, it is. It's working. That may be something I try. <laughs> hey, because then you can go, well, I kind of liked it. And then you can be less critical of your crap. <laughs> Do you ever write in collaboration with anyone? I'd love to. I really would love to. Uh, I'd st- I think I probably pitched the idea to a couple folks, but it never really came to fruition. Um a lot of the musicians I hang out with have just got a different style, and well, maybe that's a great thing. You know, we can get, really yeah. come together and make it make it work like that. I'd love to. I just, uh, I guess, I haven't right the, uh, met the right co-writing partner, or it just hasn't hasn't happened yet. But definitely well, open to it. What's the writing process look for you? Look like for you? Do you just jot down all your thoughts? No, Do you start? Yeah, there's no jotting down. I can tell you that right now. He's well, like that's a, true. He already told us that. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, like I said, I'm a field player. It could be maybe uh, just pick up the guitar and start tinkering around and uh, come across something. And who knows? I feel like some of the best, if you, you know, a lot of songwriters, uh, I say a lot of their best songs just hit them oh, yeah. out of the blue. Almost, in, you know, the entirety of it, the hook, the, the, all of the lyrics and not that that happens all the time sometimes it may be just a phrase and it starts there and um, you know over time I just try different things and see what works and as long as and maybe that's not the the, the best way to look at it it's like as long as I'm pretty satisfied with it I'll say well yeah I think they'll like it too yeah. you know so I just you know man I'm trying to visualize how you construct a song in your head because I know for me I don't you've probably seen my you obviously have seen what my writings look like in a podcast or on a song on a sheet of paper 
and it's chaos on a page. There's crossouts, there's moved around lyrics, there's something that was down here that started that ends up up here that has a little rewrite section here. I don't know how you do that in your head because I'd have to move those boxes around somewhere in my mind. You know what I mean? But I can't keep lyrics like that. I have to, it, it's visual. So to be, it's it's like a comedian uh, who who writes their act from the stage. They don't write anything down. They get out, they feel it, they have an idea and they go. A lot of improv. Blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah, it blows my mind. But it just having the, that type of brain that can see that and, and remember it. I have that with, I think I have that ability with a guitar. I can hear something and I can play it. Uh, and, and for the most part, I won't forget it. But lyrics are not, they don't sit with me like that. Yeah. It's just, it's just interesting to me just to hear and talk to people about about their writing style because everybody is it's so different. So different. Or different from, you know, over time, one month to the next or one song to the next. Because I was like, you know, you talked about songs coming to people. For the longest time, if, if that didn't happen to me, if I couldn't just sit down and write a song in 20 minutes, I didn't write. And that's one thing the songwriting groups taught me how to do is how to struggle through a song, how to work on a song for two weeks, mm-hmm. and then, you know, maybe bring back bring it back later even. Um, I, I never did that for until this. So how do you do that in your head, I think, is, is my question. <laughs> I, I wish question I could give you a straight of, answer there. I, mean, but, I, I don't know. <laughs> but you do. I mean, that's how you, pro, that's your process. You just don't do it. With with as much well, of a well, visual. Once I do have the structure and everything down, I may write it down just to say, okay, here it is. Here's a song. It's so not, it's solidified. Not, right. This but is done. Here it is. But it usually it's just up in the old noggin and, you know, just what a total recall. I, I don't yeah. know. I, you know, I, I wish I could tell you. Right. <laughs> I, I don't know. So uh, this reminds me of a story. I got a, I got a quick story, man. <laughs> I remember being a kid um, riding in the 85 Aerostar down to Florida and their dad had, I guess this was an audio book phase for, for my dad. And he had this audio book of memorization. So he put it in. It was like one telephone pole, two field goal post, three stool, <laughs> four car. So it had, so it would have this number system up to 20 with all these things. And then you'd have to remember this thing. And then it would have, Sorry, <laughs> but that's what it reminded me of is this, vision, this this memorization thing, and and still having some a little bit of that. But holy crap, man! I just I, sorry, I'm still stuck on memory. I'm still stuck on how you construct a song like that. If my dad's listening, he'll appreciate that. Hi, Dad. Yeah, well, I think I think Brad said it. You know, everybody has their own unique approach to things, and what works for some may not work for others. So. I'm definitely open to, to, I like what you said, you know, struggling through it. I, I think I have the same mentality. It's like, if it doesn't come, if it doesn't feel natural, usually I'll just can it, you know, just yeah. scrap it. Um, All right. That, so how many songs do you think you've started in your head that you've just scrapped? Oh my goodness. Um, you know, I've 100,000? Uh, gosh i mean i have this little home recording studio that's nothing to to you know nothing to write home about but uh i think there's probably maybe 30 on there at least um mm, good bit good bit yeah yeah so the right co-writer comes comes along and we uh finish those up there's a good bit there 
Mm-hmm. That's the one thing we haven't learned how to do on the songwriting uh, uh, thing yet is how to co-write. Well, Lee Lee's as close of a co-writer right now is because I stole his lyrics on my uh, "Harder to Love You" song. Yeah, I got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I'm writing a song too, I feel like anybody else talking to me or or, or sharing ideas with me is a distraction while I'm trying to think. <laughs> <laughs> You don't feel like it's good perspective. It, it can help, right? You know, just to, uh, even if the- we did write a, we, we wrote, we wrote a little bit. I wrote a little bit with my parents and uh, my wife while we were in North Dakota and it was hard. <sighs> yeah. I, I, you know, that's a good thing. I, I don't know how to co-write either. Like did, to a legit sit down and co-write. Here's my question. I would need somebody that doesn't talk very much in my, <laughs> in my co-writing group. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Are you ready? Are we done now? All right. <laughs> that, that's, that's what you need to say during the songwriting session. <laughs> so, Zeb, you've got, you just released two songs fairly recently right yeah yeah and i've got a lot more in the in the queue here i think july we'll have uh, a couple more out now the guys you know that i work with in the studio they really have uh, brought these these songs to life at least the ones i'm working on here this year um paul culligan on drums he's a world-renowned drummer um been on the scene for quite a while uh and uh, Don Watson. Um, <laughs> Donnie oh, Watson. Yeah, my goodness. Um, he, he What's actually, he playing, bass? He did uh, guitar and bass on Rambling. Okay. We'll, right. we'll, we'll hear here in a little bit. Is, now, he, is, that, is he from the Watson family? Yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, yeah. Jeff's, Jeff's, Jeff's cousin. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. that's who's on uh, the Christmas The Christmas CD. album. Okay. Yeah, Christmas okay. album. Yeah, mm-hmm. Small right. World. So mm-hmm. where did, did, uh, did you record with Donnie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, is he still at DSL? Right. DSL is amazing. Mike, uh, Mike Baker, my goodness. Uh, boy, the patience he has with me. Yeah. yeah okay. It, it, pretty novice going in there with the, the, the correct approach, you know, uh, I had done a song about a year ago and it was just kind of, I played all the instruments on, except for the, except for the fiddle. I had a, a one of my buddies come up from Lexington and do the fiddle and gosh, he was, he's amazing. I kind of went in and just said, here's what I got. And he, let me throw some drum down. This is just how I pictured it. No really producing, no, no listening to Mike's experience. I said, this is what I want. Um, and it was fun, but taking this approach and really slicing and dicing like Mike Baker does, I mean, boy, he's got a good ear for it. And then certainly, yeah, those professional musicians coming in, timing is key. I, I may write some songs and sing, but Timing may not be my strongest suit in in some ways, but uh, yeah, boy, I'm just uh, I was blown away to meet these guys and, and work with them. So it's a it's a blessing for sure. How did you connect with those guys, Mike? Yeah, Mike. Okay. Mike said let's 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 do this and let's bring them in. I think we need a little some producing elements on your on your song, and uh, if you're open to it, these guys will know what to play. They're so proficient They're at pros. their instrument. Yeah. Don't even don't even get in their way. Exactly. You may have you may have some concept of how how it should go. Let them do their thing, and that's a humbling experience. Because yeah, I, I tend to want to say no. I, that's not how I wanted it, or I hear it different in my head. But man, that, you know what though? That that's funny that you uh, mentioned that because we have you know, Stephen Allen Davis. You know, got a, his first big hit back. You know, fifty years ago, that was a number four hit on the Billboard charts. And the first thing he said when he heard uh, heard it played was. They messed this song up. <laughs> they screwed it up. Yeah. 
And then it was a gigantic hit. So yeah, yeah. And sometimes man, you just let the pros work, especially those guys. They they definitely know what they're doing. So oh, they yeah. they they hear they hear sometimes what what us as writers don't, you know, and get more out of the more out of the song than we possibly could in situations like that, for sure. A lot like we talked about co-writing. I mean, if if sometimes we could get out of our own way and, and really accept somebody to co-write, if I could do that in, in, in a situation, it may really broaden the horizons and make it bigger and different and better. Well, if you Let look at work. a lot of top guys, it's even like Chris Stapleton, some of his major hits, he's like, oh, well, I co-wrote this, maybe two or three song, you know, mm-hmm. uh, co-writers. And I just always thought, well... I guess in my mind, I would think that they did it all start to finish themselves, but that's not how it works. You yeah. know, it's not a one man show, no matter how you look at it. You've got a team of people behind you, really twisting the you know, twisting the knobs, hitting the buttons, and, and making it happen. It's not just, you know, certainly not just me. You know, I couldn't do. If you if you had it just me and an acoustic, that may be that may be fun to an extent, but it just really. Uh, brought things to life in, in you know, taking that route. So yeah. here's how a co-writing session goes with Zeb. All right, man, can you slow down so I can write this down? It needs to be on paper for me. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you're not a mind reader? Come on. <laughs> so let's talk about going back. For tell, sure. Tell us about that song, you know, how, how it developed and what it, what it was like recording and, and set it up for us. And when was it recorded? What was it, was this one the first recording of all your stuff that you've done? This was, well, most recently. As, yeah, most recently. I had tinkered with stuff, uh, gosh, 2008 to 2010. I had a, okay. a decent band. We had opened up for some, some national acts, had a real good time. And then it just kind of came off the rails, us being young men and uh, knuckleheaded. But certainly me, at least. But... Uh, <laughs> Going back was interesting. And now I recorded that, I think, on my right around my birthday. And that's, that's in March um, 2020. And then the shutdown happened. So it kind of limited what I could do. I, I had finished the song and um, I was able to push it out there. But, you know, it was just me going in. I had a riff, I had the lyrics. And I said, let's just do this. Let's see how it goes. And, you know, mic'd up the guitar and uh, threw a djembe drum beat down on it and brought a fiddle player in, and there it was, you know. And so, uh, lyrically, um, I think it represents, and usually I would l- prefer people just to interpret it however they'd like, but mm-hmm. I think for me, uh, I spent, I like being out in the country, out in the out in the forest, out in the woods. I feel most at home out in, out in that sort of thing. So, a lot of, uh, down in uh, Red River Gorge or out in eastern Kentucky, spend time. And I think that song for me was leaving the city and going back to more of a easier, slower pace of life and um, going back. Going okay. Back. So let's listen to Going Back. And when we come back, I'd like to hear, uh, you know, what was going on between 2010 and this song. Mm-hmm. So here we go, Going Back.
my shoulder again Here I go With my back Facing towards the wind I don't care If they ever saw it coming I'm gonna be long gone now Long before the summer Don't let it get you down, dear Follow me right behind It's not me I just gotta leave They're not my fiddle that's who's on the fiddle there and he really good boy. oh yeah. yeah so all right so you had a djembe a shaker a guitar was it was your guitar in open d it's actually in c open c tuning mm -hmm. no all right that's mm -hmm. interesting i heard it i was like all right that's a d but that's deep <laughs> right and it's on this little beater guitar uh a samic i mean i love it and little some greg of the best bennett is it a greg bennett samic uh, Have you ever seen those? Man, they they might be cheaper than a regular Samick. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, you get a great sound of I'm them. I'm telling you. Really? You. That's it's crazy. It, that was what brought me to writing that song, this deep resonance. I was yeah. like, well, wow. That's and I just stumbled across that tuning. That was not on purpose, buddy. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, Brent West is going to love it. That's got a great vibe, man. My, yeah, my buddy Brent West is the first person I ever heard say, hey, yeah. Uh, check out this song I wrote in open C tuning. I was like, what? Yeah. And then he played that 
I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. That's super cool. That is awesome. Yeah. yeah, man, that's a great tune. I really dig that song. I yeah. dig that song. Yeah. And, you. and, you know, I dig... Uh, it's so big for as little going on as there really is. There's not a ton going on between the fiddle um, and, and the, the percussion and the guitar. I mean, there's... And the, I'm assuming you did the harmonies as well. Did mm-hmm. you go back and overlay yeah. the harmonies? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love those high harmonies. So you mentioned uh, 2000, doing a lot, playing with a band between 2008, 2010. Then this was 2020. What, wait, wait, what happened? Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> what band was that, by the way? Oh, sh- we changed our name probably 17 times. Uh, it was called Artifacts. Oh, called okay. Artifacts. I heard and of at the same time, there was a heavier band, Artifacts Pareo, and they were amazing. <laughs> They had picked up that name. Okay, let's scrap that. All right, and a new name. Yeah. Well, we just kind of dissolved at that point, yeah. and it. We're all still friends. They're great guys, but uh, yeah, just difference in direction. direction. Right. So, so what has <laughs> happened? Okay, it's kind of like I've been doing side missions for the last ten years. You know, leveling up, getting my armor together, and I. I don't know. Honestly, I had a lot of life lessons I needed to to learn before I could really approach this in a more professional manner you know maybe from a personal level um obviously practicing on the guitar trying to hone that craft and figure out what sound i really wanted to to bring to the table always love country and i don't know if some of this is country it's kind of americana however you'd want to you know label it but yeah 10 years is a long time to not be doing anything now i did have a band called old soul envy in 2014 2015 2016 it was more of a rock and roll type thing Again, um, just uh, we put out, we recorded some great tracks at Deadbird Studio. Still have them, really love them. Uh, and maybe at some point they'll come out. But just a difference in opinions, direction, musically. And I took a step back, uh, you know. I took a step back and, and uh, fell in love. <laughs> <laughs> fell in love and, and uh, you know, put a lot of stock in other aspects and... Uh, and yeah. it brought me back around to music and I just feel like it's a I have a better head on my shoulders to approach at this time for sure yeah. so now that things are loosening up do you plan on getting out and playing these songs and yeah what's the plan oh I'm on the no plan plan I like that I like that yeah well truth be told I would love to play them out in the right venue in the right setting not where there's, <laughs> and I love these, uh, you know, I love these establishments I've played in, but I've had these, you know, and God love them. These, these, these drunkards, they want to sing songs too. You know, you come up and they request them mm. and they try to grab the mic and they want to sing and that's all well and good. But let's, let's, you know, I guess I'm selfish. I want you to sit down and focus <laughs> on me. It's isn't about, you know, uh, yeah, in the right venue, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Absolutely. But, you know, we'll see. Yeah. I think that's uh, one of those four-hour gig approaches versus, uh, you know, it's awesome to go play a show at Gerstle's where you play for two or three hours. And even if it's a solo gig or a, mm-hmm. a duo awesome gig place. where, you know, it's the thing about those places, you know, it's going to be packed. You don't have to bring anybody. They're going to be by 10 o'clock drunk enough to have a good time. They'll come in waves to where this this crowd goes, then this one fades, and then this one comes in the next round. And it's awesome to get a good night like that where you have everybody's attention when they're there. 
and I mean by everybody's attention, they at least dig it, but they do want to take over and they're get them money. Right. They're not <laughs> doing it. To where, you know, as a, as a writer and somebody who uh, does their own music and you really want that, you know, Odeon show where it's, you know, three acts and you people that are there to and original, see you. Original music. Original you know? music. You original know? music. And, well, you know, playing those other gigs, it's it's great for honing your craft, getting yeah. comfortable in front of people because you're all, I, I don't know about you guys, there's always that nervousness regardless. And, um, mm -hmm. but at the same time, if you can sit in that and relax in the stress of things, I think that's when you really start to uh, take some big strides as far as being comfortable. Yeah. I don't know. It's part of that 10,000 hours thing, man. You've got to work. You've got right. to earn it. You've got to uh, put in the time. And, and you know, you, you talked about earlier kind of stopping and stepping back and getting better at, at guitar and, and, and those things during that time. I mean, a lot of people put the guitar up for 10 years and then pick it up and don't spend any time getting better at anything and, and kind of honing that. So it wasn't like, um, you weren't putting in work when you weren't doing things. There were still points in time where you were, you know, honing. So no, we had lots of writing and, and things that no one has ever heard. Maybe at some point they will, but uh, I would never give it up. If no one ever heard my music, now it is for everyone. It's not for me, but if, if you know, if no one ever heard it, I still have a good time doing it. Yeah, so, for sure. You know. So our listeners that, that do, you know, after hearing this podcast and, and watching your one shot, one mic, one song videos and want to follow you, where can they stream your music? Where can they find you on the socials? Is there a website yet? Just where do they go? No official website, just the socials, uh, Instagram, Zebulon and Company. Mm -hmm. Might want to spell that real quick. <laughs> yeah, I certainly will. Z is in zebra, E is an elephant, B is in boy, U is an umbrella, L is in Larry, O is in ostrich, N is in Nancy. All right, don't you're good on the rest. <laughs> in company. There you go. So yeah, the social media, uh, YouTube, Facebook, Insta, it's all on there, you know. And you know, I don't know about you guys, geez, uh, I love social media. It could be great. I just I'm not very, and it's not my thing. Yeah. You know, Got I'll it. get there. I'll get there. We're okay. learning. We're learning how to right, get there. It never ends. <laughs> All right, we're going to go out with uh, Rambling On. Set that up for us. Oh, yeah. So it started with a phrase. That's basically it. I had this little riff. I thought, hey, this is neat. This is fun. Um, I don't know why that came to me. I really don't. Uh, I just thought, let's have fun with this. You know, it's nothing too serious. It's fun. It's upbeat. And... Uh, you interpret it however you'd like, you know. <laughs> so I won't uh, give too much. Well, um, quick question about this one: Is this one that when you brought in, laid down? Was it just a guitar and you, or what was it? Right. Yeah. And then you laid it down, and then it grew legs with Rob. And, and well, bringing right. in everybody. It else. was. Uh, yeah, I went in. I had the acoustic guitar. I laid it down. I did the vocals as a scratch vocal, so they had some sort of frame of reference, and then. Uh, yeah, we had just Mike and I had decided already. Let's pull in these oh, other guys. I said Rob, Mike, my bad. Right. Well, no big deal. We are. I'm terrible with names, <laughs> but um, yeah. So he said, "I know the guys. Let me get them in here and just have some faith." And you know, was, I had no idea what to expect. I was like, "You're kind of taking the reins on my song. I don't. I don't know about this." But anyways, yeah, he brought them in, and uh, boy, they they ripped it. All right. So, question so, about that. Mm -hmm. When were you part of that process or was it, was it with, when Mike said, Hey, I want to do this, 
did you walk away and then he said, hey, come back and listen to what I have? Or were you with them every time they recorded and going, yes, no, yes? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The whole step of the way, I'm there. You're producing, helping produce it and, and it, get it, that part of it done. Yeah. Now, I did try to shut my mouth because when you're with a bunch of experienced yeah. cats, y- you tend to... Shut up. Shut yeah, up. Shut right. Up. Shut up and listen. <laughs> shut up and listen. <laughs> try to learn something, guy. <laughs> but uh, I was there and I certainly gave my two cents where it was uh, merited. But um, a lot of it was was just getting out of my own way of seeing it a certain way and letting those musicians handle their instruments because that's what they do. Don't try to tell no. a bass player or a drummer, you know, maybe, maybe a little, interject a little bit of the idea and they'll still run with it, but they just know what to play, yeah. you know, so. Yeah. All right, man. Well, let's, we're going to go out with rambling on. We appreciate you talking with us for, for 45 minutes or an hour here, Zeb, and we're going to get off here and have some fun recording some uh, one song, one mic. No, one shot, one, one mic, one song. song. Come on, bro. <laughs> Cheers. You I appreciate better, it, fellas. You better edit that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we'll edit that out. No. Nah. All right, Zip. Thanks, man. Appreciate Here it, it is. Man. Rambling yes, on. around 